Pastor Mike Sainz, the lead pastor here at the harbor, and we're delighted to see you. We just got back from South Georgia camp meeting uh, just this weekend, and uh, what a wonderful, wonderful time it is. But before um, we get too far, let me just say, uh, just stretch your hands this way and say a good happy birthday to our Worshipman Arts pastor. I got to give it to him because he woke up sick and... Uh, we got here a moment ago to worship set, and he's throwing his guts up in my office there. And so uh, I have to tip my hat to Mike Wooten, too, because he stepped up and said, Hey, I'll sing one of these other songs that Adam was supposed to sing. I'll sing it. And you guys never knew the difference. And, um, but 32 years ago, uh, I remember walking down the hall of Moody Air Force Base Hospital and uh, just exuberant, you know. I, in fact, I had to duck when I went through the, the door so I wouldn't hit the header up top. I was, I was tall, man. That was back before you could tell what the, the gender, or at least on the base, they didn't have the sonograms or the ultrasounds so you could tell it's a boy or a girl. I'm running down the hallway to tell my mother-in-law, it's a boy, it's a boy. <laughs> so anyway, he's grown into a wonderful man of God, and I couldn't ask for a better worship pastor on planet Earth. Amen. So he actually led our team this week. We went to South Georgia camp meeting, and uh, that's a meeting of a uh, couple thousand or more uh, Church of God all throughout South Georgia, and we have morning services and night services. Mornings are not as heavy as the nights, obviously, because people have to work in the morning, but there's still probably five or six, seven hundred people in the morning, and we had an opportunity, a wonderful opportunity to um, do a few songs, and uh, I had so many compliments uh, you know, and there's definitely an invitation coming back, and I, I'm excited about that. So, Adam, we wish you well, wish you a happy birthday, and believe God to touch you. Um, now, if you'll just stay with me on the stage, and I'm going to ask these other ministers who have recently been credentialed if they will join me on the stage. And uh, <laughs> let me say... Um, let me give you a quick explanation. In the Church of God, there's three ranks of ministry. Uh, in fact, there's another level or two that you've got to go through before you can even get in the process for the exhorters level, which is the lowest level. And then there is the, uh, the ordained level, and then there is the ordained bishop. And uh, we have uh, a few here that have went through the CAMS program, which is a I don't I can't remember if it's six months or nine or whatever, but calling and ministerial studies. In other words, when you say, I feel I'm called to preach, you've got to somehow validate that. You can't just get up one morning and say, well, I think I'm going to be a preacher, because I can promise you that ain't the way to do it. If, it, if you ain't called, you ain't going to last uh, at all. So anyway, these have really worked hard and, and gone through it, and so uh, Matthew Ryan Zink, his exhorter's credentials... Damon Blake Brown, Exhorter's Credentials, bless you, brother. Anastasia Zink, Exhorter's Credentials. And then Asa Joel Sains. Amen. Now, we got a, I, I got something I need y'all to help me do. On July the 8th, AJ's going to be preaching at the Bay Harbor Church of God in Brunswick, Georgia. It's a Sunday night service. I need all the harbor there to make him feel right at home. So you don't, you understand. And he said he needs some prayer. So anyway, let's give our exhorters a wonderful hand. Stay with me. 
And then the way it works out in the church of God is that, Josh, quit hiding, man, get up here. <laughs> um, the way it works in the church of God, you go through the exhorters program, and then you have a nine-month rigorous uh, ministerial internship program that's worth about 30 college credit hours as well. And uh, you go through internship, and you get sent to a different church unless you're on paid staff uh, at another church. And so once you do that, you, you uh, become eligible to test for the ordained bishop, which you have to be like 28 with eight years in ministry or 30 with five, if memory serves me right. But Adam, uh, Adam and Frank and Josh successfully passed that test and was ordained on Thursday at camp meeting. I had a wonderful opportunity of being part of that ordination service. It's the highest rank of ministry uh, in the church of God, and I'm excited. Can we just give the Lord a big hand for them? Now, one of the first orders of business I want them to help me with right now is I've got a number of people that are really sick in the church that are struggling. Uh, obviously, you know, Eric and Whitney Groover had a tremendous accident, a terrible accident, um, about eight days ago. Whitney still needs our prayers uh, in a bad way. Uh, we have others that have messaged me a personal prayer request that I, I can't just say, but they need a touch from God. They have decisions to make and just need God to reach down and heal. And let me say this before we pray. I'm going to ask you to stand with me because we're going to pray together. But I want you to mark your calendar on the last Sunday of this month, the 24th. Now, I know this uh, is going to be a little bit different around here. I will preach that morning, but about half of that service is going to be uh, earmarked to have a prayer line where we're going to pray and anoint with oil everybody who is here. I'm going to use these guys. I'm going to use our senior life group. I'm going to use other ministries and ministers in the church, and we're going to lay hands on the sick and watch God do a miracle. Amen? So that's on the last Sunday of this month, the 24th. Would you do me a favor right now, and let's just go to the Lord in prayer for these special needs right now. And you may know of some, but let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, there's no distance in prayer. God, you can reach right in that hospital right now and touch these two that's in my mind that are sick right now, Lord, that you know of and I know of and need a miracle. God, those that have messaged me, God, that need a touch from you, Lord, in their body. They need healing in their body. And Lord, if you don't do it, it don't get done. Lord, we need a miracle right now. Lord, for Brother Bob Nurmi, we pray for him. And for Randy Saturday right now, we lift him up. Lord, we believe you, God, for Adam right now in this sickness. Lord, for those that are hurting, for Whitney right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we speak to that brain. Oh, God, and we say live in the name of Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to touch your people now in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. God bless you, and thank you once again. God bless you, our credentialed ministers. And uh, let me just say, that's not an easy task to go through. Well, welcome to the letter of James. That's the series that we're in. Uh, last week, we talked about the test of your faith. Today, the Lord helping me, I want to just make a statement. This is kind of the words. Um, 
And it's simply this. Action speaks louder than words. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, action speaks louder than words. I used to hear my mom say that when I was growing up. And uh, you so you got to understand, if, if you don't know anything else when you leave here, I want you to be able to say, when somebody says, what did preacher preach on? You just simply say, action speaks louder than words. Amen? You know, action, Jesus said it like this. He said, people claim to be followers of me. People claim to be this and they claim to be that, but you will know a tree by the fruit that it bears. Now, you have some people saying one thing and showing another. Oh, my goodness, I'm developing a series right now called Viewpoints. I can't wait to talk about viewpoints, how we view ourselves versus how God views us. And anyway, that's another story. But right now, I want you to know that I'm a man of action. I'm a skydiver. You know that I love that. And let me say this. We have seconds to make decisions if things don't work out as planned. We can't sit there and say, well, I think I'll have a cup of coffee and, you know, mull this over and, and, and maybe do something. No, 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 no. That don't work out. There's seconds to make a decision. Actions speak louder than words. You, my friend, need to become a man or woman of action. Let me tell you a story, true story. It was my first real job. Now, not, to, not, not that cropping tobacco and working in hay and soybeans and all of that on the farm ain't a real job because I worked harder at that than I ever did a quote-unquote real job in physical labor. But when I turned 16, I started putting in applications, and the first person that called me was a restaurant in Columbus, Georgia called Poe Folks. My employer exemplified what I was. Poe Folk. Are y'all with me? And I mean, uh, so, but that was the name of the restaurant. And I remember I had been working there. I, I, I started, and I was a cook, if you can believe that or not. I was a cook, man. We cooked some big old pots. Anyway, so I'm cooking, and you know, they said, well, Mike, you're doing a good job. So a month went by, and two months, and three months, and four months went, and you know, they started saying, well, we're going to give you a raise, because I was making a big salary of $3.35 an hour. Are y'all with me now? That's like 1983, something like that, two, three, something. Anyway, 335 an hour. So they said, we're going to give you a raise. Well, I'm thinking, man, that's, that's great right there. So when I was there six months, they reiterated, we're going to give you a raise. So seven months went by, and eight months went by, and nine months went by, and I almost felt devalued, man. I mean, I, I supposed to be making 340 or something, right? 375. I needed something. And I'll never forget uh, the general manager, Ron Watkins, and then John Kunza was the shift manager. He, they both said to me, we're going to get you a raise, we're going to get you a raise. I, I was at home one day, and my mother said to me, Michael, you just need to say what you mean and mean what you say. I took her at her word. Nine months into my cooking career, I went to work that night. It was a Friday night. It would be busy, and I knew it. So I'm cooking. I got everything going just like it needs to go. And about two hours into the shift, I got there at four, so it's about six. Crowd's really starting to come now. And uh, John happened to walk through the kitchen. And I said, hey, hey, hey John, I need to talk with you about something. And uh, I said, you know, you, you and Ron been promising me a raise. He said, well, now ain't the time. I, I said, yes, sir. 
Now's the time when you told No, 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 Mike, now is not the time. I said, well, it ain't never been the right time since six months when you told me about it. So now's the time. And so he invited me to the stock room. <laughs> because, you know, you don't want other employees hearing this kind of thing. And I'm not saying I've done it right, y'all. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to justify my actions. So I said, now, John, you and Ron had promised me a raise. You said even if it was only a nickel, and I would have been happy just to get a nickel. But I came that night as a man of action. I said, so I'm either going to get a raise tonight or what, he said. Or you can have this shirt that says po folks on it. <laughs> so he said, well, you can't just come in here and demand a raise. I said, I'm not demanding a raise. You've been promising me one for three months. I'm just wanting that y'all line. And so I could tell by his expression. So I just went ahead and started unbuttoning it. <laughs> I took that shirt off, laid it in his arms, grabbed my apron, put it over my shoulder, and walked out. Now that stunned some of y'all. You say, but you know what? I made my mind up that night. I'm either going to get a raise or I'm gone. I ain't cooking another batch of turnips, another load of tea. I ain't doing no more shrimp. I ain't doing nothing else until I get my nickel or dime. Now, I'm not telling y'all to go to work tomorrow and do that. That was a little drastic. I was only 16 years old, but I made my mind up that I would be a man of action and, and that he had plenty of time. Y'all understand? And so James is encouraging it. Matter of fact, let me read it. In James chapter 1, verses 22 through 24, let me read this. Don't fool yourself. Oh, excuse me. Let me go a little higher up. 19 to 21. Post this at the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears. Follow with your tongue. This is the message Bible. I, I just want you to understand. And let anger straggle along in the rear. He says, for God's righteousness does not grow from human anger. So throw all that spoiled virtue and cancerous evil into the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. So, now I want to expound upon this and another little passage below that in just a moment. But he tells us to lead with our ears. Man, are y'all with me? He gave us two ears and one tongue. Isn't that right? How many of you ever said something that got you in trouble? I mean, you really wish you could have that one back. Huh? Yeah, man. I, you know, I've done that before. I put my foot in my mouth, and then sometime I've just, you know, put both feet in my mouth. Y'all probably done that before. But we have a mandate right here, according to James, and here's what he said in the NIV, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. So, so quick to listen, that means lead with your ears. Slow to speak, that means follow with your tongue. And slow to become angry. Let anger straggle way back in the rear. Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, we're talking about actions. Here's what you need to know. Um, action speaks louder than words. But why is it so important to know that? It's important because the opposite of that, the inaction sometimes speaks volumes. Are you with me? 
Sometimes it's not our action, it's our inaction, right? Like, let me just give you a, a real harsh example. If you saw someone up here just mistreating a baby, I'm talking about a little small baby, just, I mean, just throwing it around, smacking it in the face. How many of us could sit there? I don't care how big the guy or the girl was doing it. None of us could sit there. Why? We would be compelled to act. I could not watch it go on. Huh? I ain't going to stand and watch somebody kick a dog. I just ain't going to do it. I mean, just for the pure meanness of it. I would be compelled to action. And inaction would tell everybody around, he don't care. Or he ain't got no guts or something. But uh, so there's been times in your life, I'll guarantee you, that you had to take some, some swift action. Amen. That maybe, uh, you know, uh, something was going on. Maybe you just had to deal with a situation. But not only, not only is action louder than words, sometimes inaction can be deafening. It sounds like a paradox. How can it be? How could, you know, you've heard the saying, silence can be deafening. How is it? That makes sense. So, so why is it that we don't act? What are we scared of? Are, are we uncertain about what the next move? Do we lack confidence or faith? You see, we cannot sit by um, as ignorant or uninformed when we ourselves have seen something in the mirror of God's Word. Here's what James is chiding right here. James is saying, when you have heard the word of God, when you have seen the revelation of the Lord, when you have read the book, in other words, we have looked into the mirror of God's word. We have heard it through the prophet of the Lord. We have heard it through the, through, through the man of God or the woman of God. Something has compelled us to action, and there we stand looking in the mirror. So we can decide to act or not. But how is it that if we've heard from God, if we have examined ourselves in the Word, I say that we cannot sit idly by without taking action. You know what some of you do? You've got a lot of faith. As soon as Channel 4 News said Irma had South Georgia in her sights, some of y'all gassed up the car, loaded up, and took off, man gone all the way to Canada or wherever, I don't know. And then others of you went to the gas station, got 10, 12, 15 gallons of gas, cranked up the generator, checked the oil and all of that stuff, and you got yourself ready to weather the storm. But what I'm saying is you decided to do something. Why? Because it wouldn't be prudent just to sit back in the easy chair. I mean, I decided to board up the window, so I boarded everything up. And I gassed up the generator, and I had a bunch of gas on the side, and I had all of this because I kind of felt sure we was going to lose power. And for about three days, we did. But it, had we not prepared, had we not taken action, it could have been much worse. 
So, so let me show you some, there's some places in the Bible. It comes out of uh, uh, 1 Kings chapter number 18 and verse number 21. The great prophet uh, Elijah is on Mount Carmel, um, and he's talking to the prophets of Baal. And he says, how long are you on the fence, and how long are you halted between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. But if Baal is God, then serve him. But, but whatever you do, decide something today. And so Elijah pushed him so far, he said, well, you, you're going to decide something today because we're going to have a showdown. He, whichever God answers by fire, and you know the story, they, they, they built the altar and you know, the prophets of Baal called on, on Baal for all the way to the evening sacrifice. I mean, they cut themselves with knives and lancets, and they bled all over the altar. They, they bled all over the ground, and old Baal hear us, and Elijah began to taunt them and said, perhaps he's vacationing, and someone needs to go fetch him. Perhaps your God is sleeping. Someone needs to wake him. And then way on over, and after the evening sacrifice, Elijah rebuilt the altar. As he rebuilt the altar, all the 12 stones there and 12 barrels of water, he just poured water. You know, water and fire don't go together, man. You don't pour something water over the fire you're trying to start. But he wanted to make completely sure that this was God, so he poured water over the sacrifice. There's stones and there's a trench of water around it, and he prayed 63 words. And the Bible says, fire from God fell out of heaven, consumed the sacrifice and the stones on the altar, and licked up the water in the trenches. <laughs> Elijah was saying, I am sick and tired of inaction. If Baal is God, let him show us he's God. But if he ain't, it's time to shut up. So there's another old guy by the name of Moses. You've probably heard of him. In Deuteronomy 30 and 19, he said to the people, Today I call the heavens and the earth as a witness against you that I today have set before you life and blessing, death and cursing. Choose life that you may live. But you've seen people, I don't know. Dying, living, blessings, cursings. For heaven's sake, make a decision. All right? And, and then there's Joshua in chapter 24 and verse 15. He says to the people, um, if you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, he tells the people, listen, if you want to worship the gods that your fathers worshipped on the other side, if you want to worship God the Amorites, he said, you know, it ain't fine with me, but if that's what you want to do, do it. But make your mind up and do it today. I've made my mind up, he said. And as for me and my house, I've decided we will serve the Lord. Oh, that we had people today like Joshua that said, y'all can serve who you want to. You can call on Krishna, Buddha, Muhammad, Allah. You can do what you want. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Action speaks louder than words. Don't tell me you serve the Lord and don't never come to worship him. Ooh. I felt that one bounce back. Don't tell me you serve the Lord and you love the Lord and you don't ever support his work. 
Let me move on. There's a difference I want you to know between hearing and listening. Are you with me? Say amen. When we hear something, we become accountable for it. Isn't that right? There are things that never bother me because I don't know anything about them. But then there are things that get brought to my attention. And as surely as it's brought to my attention, I have to take action. Someone messaged me something the other day and said, I have a grave situation I want to talk with you about. And I said, let me tell you up front, real quick, there are certain things that you say to me that I might have to tell the authorities. Are you with me? You just need to know that. Because if some child's being hurt or, or something like that, I'm bound. So you need to know that ahead of time. Amen. And then there are things that, that, that happen around here that I don't know nothing about it and sometimes get the blame for it. But once I find out about it, someone messaged me the other day about some crazy, erroneous teaching in a life group. I like to lost my mind. And uh, come to find out it wasn't one of our life groups. <laughs> Woo! I said, man, because if we're teaching there ain't no hell, there's going to be some hell around here. <laughs> Y'all with me? Say amen. <laughs> so those who hear and don't act, or perhaps act like they don't hear, are like ones that have glanced in a mirror. Here's what the Bible says. James 22 and 20, or 1, 22 through 24. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener. Y'all really listen close here. Don't just hear me. Listen. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Isn't that great? Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in a the mirror. They walk away and two minutes later they have no idea who they are or what they look like. Man, and you know, we need to look and see what we look like. The last thing Kelly asked me before we leave the house, every single time we leave the house, how's my hair look in the back? <laughs> I want get, to get her one day, and it's going to really be a big old hole, and I'm going to say, it's great. No, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> I ain't going to do that, <laughs> you know. But what he's saying is we got to look in the mirror, and if we see something wrong, we got to fix it before we go any further. He said, because what is the mirror? It's the preached word of God. I'm preaching right now, and some of you are examining yourself as I'm speaking. It might be the songs as we sing and we worship, and all of a sudden, man, you hear the voice of God. Let me move on. You see, uh, these guys that I mentioned earlier, Elijah and Moses and Joshua, you know, they had to listen and they had to take action. They told their people they had to take action. See, let me ask you, what is God speaking in your life? What is he speaking to you? What has the man of God preached that was directly uh, at you? And there was no denying it. And God had your number. And God was calling your name. What are you going to do about it? That voice that keeps calling out in the wee hours of the night. What are you going to do about it? That call that won't go away, what are you going to answer? You see, Jesus says, whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, uh, and sticks with it, is not distracted 
scatterbrained, but a man or a woman of action, that person will find delight and affirmation in action. Amen. Once you've decided this is the path, I'm going to walk in it. So then what is the action that you plan to take? What is it that you plan to do? What are you going to act on? Who are you taking that action for? You see, something you need to know as I try to, try to tie this up. There, there's something you need to know. When you take action, something's going to happen. When you take action, you know what God said? Draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw nigh unto you. That means if God is open, now obviously God is everywhere. He said, but if you are walking toward me, he says, I'm coming toward you. Draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Uh, so, so cling to God. But here's the deal. If you make up in your mind, I am going to take action. I'm going to be a man of action. I'm going to be a woman of action, whatever it is. I want you to know when you do that in faith and you're following after God, signs are going to follow that action. I, I read in Mark chapter 16, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. And they'll speak with new tongues. They'll pick up snakes with their hands. Now listen, let me put a little context to this, just so you understand. What the author was meaning here was kind of like the Apostle Paul when he had landed on the island of Malta, I believe it was, when, when he began to, to um, gather up firewood, and he was laying wood on the fire. The fire was already burning, and it drove a viper out, and that viper latched onto his hand. And Paul just shook him off. Now, I killed one in my backyard about six months ago. I'm talking about big as my arm, and if that joker had a bit me, I probably would have shook him off, but I probably would have went to the doctor, too. <laughs> just to make sure you know, now, anyway, I, I, I'm just saying, he said, but these, that's what I'm talking about. That's the context, not these nut jobs that are picking up rattlesnakes in service and saying, I got faith. No, you a fool. <laughs> Amen. That's right. So, so they will speak with new tongues. They will drive out demons if they're bitten. If they take a snake, if, they, if they're bitten by a snake, it's not going to hurt them, even if they drink deadly poison. Now, that's not talking about taking strychnine and just chugging it like a Gatorade. That's like AJ, my youngest boy. I, I, I had grown a garden in the back of our property 20-some-odd years ago. He was a little thing, about two years old. And uh, I had a bottle of Malathon, that's spray for the garden. And guess what? I couldn't even see him. I, I, it was dust dark. I'm working out there cutting some okra. And he walks up to me, and he's holding a bottle of Malathon in his hand like this. And his shirt's soaking wet with it. I smelled his breath, and oh, Lord. I picked him up, ran in the house, skull and bones on the back of it. Kelly's calling poison control and about to kill me at the same time. Multitask, them women can do it. Why did you let him? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did you let him get in it? Are you with me? So anyway, I didn't even stop at the clinic in, in, in um, Evans County there in Claxton, Georgia. I just kept the hammer down on the Buick until I got to Statesboro. Uh, and, but you know what? Not one ill effect 
Not one. Now, I mean, he had to drink some nasty stuff. And, uh, but not one ill effect of, of that marathon. And I just simply believe the word of God. You lay hands on the sick and they will recover and get well. When we begin to walk out these action steps, I'm telling you things will happen. It'll be incredible. So be a man or a woman of decision. Decide to trust the Lord with your life. Decide to heed the call. Whatever it is in your life, go for it. You're only going to live once. Amen? That's why we built this church. I could have sat fat, dumb, and happy. Bills was paid. Plenty of money was coming in. Kelly said to me, do you really want to bite off a $2 million project? We're 45 at the time, and, you know, we could just ease on into this thing. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to get old and look back with regret and say, what if I had done what God had put in my heart? I said, no. But with reckless abandon, I'm going to go for it 100%. And you know what? This ain't the only time. We got 20 more acres. I don't know how God's going to do it, but we are going to develop it for the glory of God. I remember telling Kelly, if I get a job in the secular world and go to work, we are going to do what God has called us to do, and that is build that church. Thank God I hadn't had to do that. I got my hands full with you guys. Amen. I remember we were scared out of our mind, but God made a way. Somebody had to take action. I'll never forget. I'll never forget the day we got up at 5 a.m. in the morning. Kelly and I drove to Macon, Georgia, and sold our old church. I felt kind of weird about that because in Macon, Georgia, we sold it, and it's gone. We don't even have a place to have church now. Although we had in the contract that we had a couple months or nine months or whatever. Still yet, it didn't belong to us and yada, yada, yada. I left there and drove to Moultrie, Georgia, where we were sitting in the attorney's office with a stack of papers. Whew, it wasn't that high, but you understand. And it was the construction documents to build this. And man, I went in there with a whole lot of faith. But man, I hear that lawyer reading that stuff out, and I'm thinking, whoo. And I signed the dotted line. And I signed the line. And I signed the line. And I signed the line. We got in the car and drove away from there, headed toward Columbus, Georgia. And I said to Kelly, and she looked at me, and I said, well, you know what? We have just now laid it all, 100% on the line. God better be with us or we are wrecked. You with me? We headed to Columbus for a few days to see our folks. It was a scary time, but I'm going to tell you, there's something about obeying God. I remember when I left Claxton, Georgia, when I was, you know, it was a little rural church, but we had gotten up to about 100 and we were taken care of. And I'll never forget when I left there and I was headed to Kingsland, scared out of my mind because only 15 people were there the Sunday before. The pastor hadn't gotten paid in a couple days, a couple weeks, and it was a scary thought. But there's something about the peace of God that passes all understanding. When you know you're in the will of God and things don't even look right, we win anyway. And I'm telling you, you'll never go where His grace can't keep you. And 
if you say you love him, I just want you to know action speaks louder than words. Action. What's the last time? When's the last time you really jumped off the cliff for him? I ain't talking about climbing up and jumping off steeple or nothing like that. I'm talking metaphorically speaking. When's the last time you really went out and said, God, here I go. It's all on you. Stand with me if you will. Father, I just love you now. As these people bow with me in prayer, I leave them with a question. When is the last time your actions really measured up to your talk? Do you know that your actions and what you do speaks way louder than what you'll ever write or what you'll ever speak into a microphone or to a friend's ear. It is what you actually do when people watch you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. When they watch your life, your life is the reality. Sometimes our words is just our perception. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But when's the last time you really went all in? Say, God, I have heard you. I've heard the man of God. I've looked into the mirror of God's word. And I know I have to do this. God, help them make that decision. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, Brother Sean.